It's time for the number one talk show of Eastern Connecticut and Southern Rhode Island. The Stu Breyer Potpourri Talk Show on 1310 WICH. Now here's Stu Breyer. Well, crime is on the minds of a lot of people who have common sense that know there's a problem when it comes to crime in this country and how it's being uh, treated. We're glad to have with us our America National Director, Gabriel Natalis. Am I pronouncing your last name right, Gabriel? Yeah, Natalis. <laughs> okay, I just want to make sure I got that right. You were with CRC. Uh, I get a lot of emails from you folks, so tell us about CRC. Actually, I'm with Our America. <laughs> Our America is an organization that is uh, trying to unite Americans under common values, fundamental values that are mm-hmm. uh, trying to... We're trying to advocate for issues, not as Democrats or as Republicans, but as Americans advocating for American policies. You know, this includes the right to free speech, right to freedom of religion, but as well as uh, promoting safety by increasing and, and fully funding police officers, as well as... Uh, uh, making sure that we strengthen penalties for repeat and violent offenders. Well, in other words, you represent common sense, uh, which is kind of unique. Exactly. <laughs> you know, all of these policies are they're, they're common sense. And when you look at the at, uh, when you listen to the mainstream media or you listen to politicians, it always appears that they're trying to divide Americans. But when we talk to just your regular American, they agree with a, a lot of these policies, which goes to show you that. Well, unfortunately, when it comes to to politicians, there is a small minority of politicians that are trying to that unfortunately have a big megaphone, and they're trying to divide Americans on issues of race, of of of, of wealth. When Americans are far more united than they appear. So these politicians that uh, obviously, when you watch them, they're soft on crime. I mean, they have families too. They walk on the streets where their safety uh, could be hampered by crime. Uh, what, what are they thinking? I mean, let's talk about D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser. I've heard her speak a lot lately, and I listened to her, and I said, where in the heck is she coming from? What are these people thinking, uh, Gabriel? Well, you know, Mayor Bowser like, claims that she was number four defunding the police, and, and you know, to an extent, she's right. She was never really calling for defunding of the police. But in 2020, when everybody else was defunding the police, she cut certain um, budgets, uh, certain offices within the whole police department that were not filled. Instead of trying to fill them and trying to find money for them, she just cut them. So to an extent, she did defund the police to, to, to a certain extent. And, you know, it was really promising because a couple of months ago now, maybe a little bit under two months, she was calling for more police officers, particularly in high schools, because they have a really big problem with crime, and, and especially within youth. But, you know, it, it was disheartening just a couple of days ago, um, or, or maybe last week, there was a video, a viral video of some teenagers. They were talking very casually about committing crimes. Would you rather rob a store or commit a murder? And some people are like, well, I'd rather, I'd rather murder somebody, take someone's life. And, you know, when confronted with this video, she refused to watch it. She said, what am I supposed to do with this video? What am I supposed to do with with this information? And, you know, it's actually the reason that Mayor Bowser refused to watch this video is because it would force her to look at a mirror. Crime has become part of the culture of Washington, D.C., thanks to people like Mayor Bowser to continue, who continue to promote policies that fail to hold criminals accountable. I mean, these kids are desensitized to crime because Mayor Bowser has failed to protect the residents of D.C., 
I mean, as you know as uh, well as I, I mean, even in Chicago, when they had an opportunity with one mayor uh, leaving, they got another one who's just as soft on crime. And yet, if you talk to the average person, they say, oh, yeah, crime's a problem. Is it just we don't know who we're voting for? Well, you know, a lot of times the politicians, they they are doing a lot of lip service to, to crime. But when it actually comes to combating crime, they don't, they're not actually doing anything too useful. I mean, just take a look at Mayor Bowser. I think she's a perfect example. Last month, she was talking about how we need more police officers. Well, what has she done? You know, what has she actually done to promote or to increase the police budget, to, to put pressure on the prosecutor, the District of Columbia's uh, uh, U.S. attorney, to start prosecuting members or, or criminals in the city? Like, what are they actually doing? And a lot of times, you'll have politicians talking about, like, how they need to be tough on crime, how they, they care about having safer streets. But when you look at their record, many times they just don't do anything about it. Yeah. How many, uh, how many voters really look at the, the records, which, of course, the, we certainly should do that. I, you know, I could tell you about, and you know it better than I, even examples of, uh, for instance, that poor um, college student in Tennessee walking in the park, and the uh, next thing you know, she is dead from a bullet shot by somebody who was let go, who was considered extremely dangerous, and they were let go because, well, they, they couldn't put him through trial or put him in court because of uh, their mental lack of capacity and their mental uh, position, and this happens all the time. I mean, how can people be so stupid? Well, you know, whenever we're talking about incarceration, I think one of the problems or one of the issues that keeps coming up is the fact that America locks up more of its population per capita than any other country in in, in the world. And when we're talking about incarcerating so many people, sure, we should be looking at why we're incarcerating people. And whenever you have victimless crimes or just crimes that are put in, the, in there and there really wasn't any victim, we should be looking at this. But, when, but unfortunately, a lot of um, prison reform activists, what they, they conflate this big number to mean that a lot of people in there shouldn't be, or the majority of people who are in jail right now shouldn't be in jail. So they start reducing criminal uh, penalties for shoplifting, saying that, oh, it was just somebody trying to like steal bread for their family or whatever it might be. But when you start doing that, you get more crime. I mean, I think that New York City is a perfect example. They started reducing a lot of criminal penalties, and now if you go shoplifting, you get a slap in the wrist. And what ends up happening is that these people, a lot of people start organizing criminal gangs and and retail gangs where they go into Walmart, they go into Target, they go into CVS, and they take all the cosmetics, the laundry detergent, whatever it might be, and then they take it and they will sell it online. And if any of their, their actors, they get caught, well, again, Slap on the wrist, and they're back on the street, ready to do it again. This is why we need to strengthen penalties against uh, uh, not just violent offenders, but also repeat offenders. If you've continually shown that you can, you're going into a Walmart and steal time after time, at some point we have to say enough. Hey, if I can get away with it, I'm going to go a little further the next time, and maybe further the next time. Our American National Director, Gabriel Antalis, is with us. Discussing crime in the country, not only, of course, in Washington, but all over the country. Now, I know you don't get political, which I like, that you're not, you know, Republican or Democrat, but you're 
common sense for people, but it appears that most of the, and tell me if I'm wrong, most Democratic cities are having more crime problems than conservative cities. Is that true? Well, what we've seen is the big cities in general are having um, problems. Uh, now, many big cities tend to be run by Democrats, but it's not necessarily about like whether they're Republican or Democrat as much as the policies that, that, that they, they promote. If you're promoting policies that are anti-police or you have a district attorney that refuses to enforce the law, you're going to have crime. And that's just the matter of the, the, that's just the reality of the situation. What cities need to be able to do to be able to combat crime is twofold. One, they need to fully fund the police to make sure that we can hire police officers to patrol the street. You know, there was a study about two years ago that showed that for every 10 to 17 police officers that you add to a given jurisdiction, you can save one life. And not to mention all of the different crimes that you're going to be preventing, like carjackings or or muggings or robberies. But the second part of this equation is you have to put pressure on the district attorneys. Because it doesn't matter if you have police officers on every corner. That's right. Yeah. If, they, if they keep arresting people and they go to jail and then they get released the next day to commit another crime, it is pointless to fully fund the police. You need to make sure that the that district attorneys are enforcing the laws around their books. Well, we've got a lot of examples of district attorneys who uh, have done a horrible job, but they keep getting elected. There is a shortage of police. Uh, the the stupid, dumbest thing I ever heard was when they, some were shouting defund the police, which was, was totally ignorant. You know how that worked out, and now they want to fund the police, and now police stations can't even get people to join the force. Like, well, like what do we need this aggravation for? Our hands are tied most of the time. Uh, so that was, that was a terrible thing, and now we are in this situation. Now, in Washington, what is it? Carjacking, which I don't think is a, a light crime, I think it's a serious crime, is up like 80%, something like that in Washington? I mean, the crime has been going up. I, I, I can't tell you the specific number and stuff, but I can tell you that for every city, pretty much every city, you see um, just this almost like a U-shape of, uh, of, uh, of statistics. You see crime going down, going into 2020, and all of a sudden, 2021, 2022, it just shoots it right up. It almost looks like a jump rope. And that is not unique to Washington, D.C., or New York, or, or in, in some of these major cities. It is true for smaller cities like Tucson, Arizona, or uh, uh, Madison, Wisconsin. Many of these smaller cities that don't get enough attention, uh, but are incredibly important. I look at carjacking as a serious crime. You know, sometimes they act like, oh, it's a carjacking, and I don't know if there's any penalty in, in some cities at all for it. I mean, it's, it must be terrifying for the person who has their car jacked, and sometimes they're threatened with guns. And there's a great percentage of uh, teenagers, young teenagers now, more than ever. What's your speculation on why that is? Well, you know, unfortunately, criminal activity tends to be from younger people, like some people, teenagers, and, and typically like 15, 16, 17. There's always been a lot of hooligans running around in the crime, thinking that, they, that nothing bad's going to happen to them. They don't really think about the consequences of, of their actions. But I, I do think it, it is a sign of the culture, though, that we've seen a lot more of it. As I mentioned, when crime becomes normalized, a lot of teens, they are, they are more likely to commit crime. 
And I mean, we're, we're talking about carjackings. I think that a lot of people don't realize that a car isn't incredibly important to any family. I just read a story from Kansas City, Missouri, for example. Adrienne Blanford, I believe her name was, she was the mother of seven, single mother of seven, and she had her van stolen. Now she's struggling to get to work, to go take her children to school, get her newly born triplets to daycare, or even just go to the grocery store. She is in, a, in quite a little bit of trouble. It, when you st- steal somebody's car, you steal somebody's independence, somebody's mm-hmm. ability to get to work, someone's ability to really put food on the table. It is much more than just, uh, 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 just a, a product. It is really the backbone of many families. Well, I would, I would guess in most cities in that uh, somebody arrested for carjacking would be on the street in about a half hour. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people out there who just get, uh, they keep getting paroled, they keep getting out because they don't, you know, prosecutors don't want to have to deal with these people. You know, it's more than just, you know, it's it's bad enough to have your car taken, but uh, the emotional factor of somebody, you don't know if they're going to kill you or threaten you or beat you to take your car, you know, that just doesn't go away in a day. So there's a... A lot of things in the involvement of a carjacking that should be taken much more seriously. No, of course. I think that it also contributes to the idea of of uh, public safety, or just people don't want to go out and enjoy their lives because they're afraid that they're going to get stolen, they're going to get robbed. I mean, that's what happened to Congressman uh, Henry Quella of mm-hmm. Texas. Mm-hmm. He he had his car jacked right in front of his apartment building in, in, in Navy Yard in Washington, D.C. You know, they pointed his gun at his face and they just took it. I mean, that can be incredibly traumatizing. Just Hopefully so. those people are, are arrested and they're, they're held accountable. But unfortunately, this is happening more and more often. I've been saying that carjackings and was a big deal back in the 90s, but now we're seeing more and more of it. Our American National Director is with us with some... Uh some things, and I think most of our listeners agree with Gabriel and Adele, is talking about uh, crime, and, and someone has a question for you. You have a question for my guest? Yeah, hey, Steve, this is James. James, go ahead. All right, well, with the carjacking. Uh, now, back in the Old West, you steal a horse, that, that you get you get hung. So you, get the, you get the death penalty. Now, I'm not saying that you should get the death penalty if you're stealing a car, but you need a harsh penalties and enforce them and uh you know because because um, driving a car is just like a horse you know it's it's your it's your like you were saying it's it could be somebody's life uh you know with a wheelchair and um and that's their livelihood to get around and be able to do things you know what do you think well certainly uh i think the punishment should be very se- severe for that and um I think that's the only deterrent, don't you, uh, Gabriel? I think it's one of the more important deterrents. I think one of the things that we've been seeing is that crime keeps being committed by a small number of people. Whenever you have high crime, it's not that all of these people are becoming more, more and more people are becoming criminals. It's the fact that the, the criminals themselves, people who have already decided to become criminals, um, they are getting away with it and they're committing more crimes. I believe there was um, a study out of New York, or not even a study, just a report out of New York, that showed that about out of 600 of, of uh, retail thefts, it was being committed by the same 
300 or so people. That means that these people were arrested and rearrested, let go and rearrested once more. And the same thing can be true for carjackings. Um, people will uh, will steal a car, they'll drive for a little bit, they'll sell it, and they'll go get another car. Or maybe they'll just ditch it and just go get another car. So what, what ends up happening is that these people, once you start locking up these people, well, they're not free to steal mm-hmm. another car. So strengthening penalties against these offenders is definitely a good deterrent to, to stop carjacking. Well, that, of course, is common sense, which we appear to have a lack of uh, periodically with some of our leaders. Uh, how much do you think online activity is uh, getting people riled up to do these things? Uh, I would say uh, probably a lot. <clears throat> um, as far as like online activity, um, uh, I'm sorry, I, I'm not sure I understand. <laughs> well, a lot of these groups and gangs, uh, you know, they get things online and they get together, and there's next thing you know, there's 16 of them or 20, and uh, I think oh, they do I a lot of online, yeah, I, online I stuff. I think, <clears throat> I think when it comes to like riots, we definitely saw a lot of that uh, happening. Where you would say, I, I remember there was this one time there was uh, an Antifa um, affiliate over in Minnesota who started coordinating um, people to go to the, um, the, the, a police precinct to be able to start like throwing bricks and, and like Molotov cocktails. This is back in 2020, the mm-hmm. quote-unquote summer of love. Sure. Um, so that's definitely a problem. Um, yeah. Something else to look into. Let me take one. We have a few more minutes here. It's an important topic. Hi, WYCH. Welcome. Yes, yeah, so i got a comment on the carjacking. uh um, most of the, uh, what, uh, one of the criteria that uh, people use in, in carjacking cars today, it's what, what type of car you have. If you got a Mercedes-Benz or something, a high-end car like that, and you leave it running in a gas station parking lot while you run in to pay for your gas, and it gets carjacked, uh, if, if they watch it, they'll take it. But one thing I have no mercy for, and you can call me kind of mean, is these mothers in the big cities that leave their children in the cars when they run in to get something out of the, the pay for gas or something like that, and their vehicle gets stolen with their child in it. Um, well, we've I heard that too many times, of course. Mm-hmm. And there should should be uh, you know, some penalty for that. All right, thank you, sir. Yeah, unfortunately, we've heard situations where uh, cars have been carjacked and there have been kids in the back seat. So talk about a serious offense, huh? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've definitely seen stories, like, as I've grown. I mean, there was a story that I saw from a couple years back in which some man actually stole this car with kids in the back. He came back, he gave them to the, to the parents and started berating them, and then... <laughs> And then, you know, he stole the car again. It's like, really? Like, I guess. <laughs> but, you know, it, it is a problem. I mean, I think this should be, like, uh, for everybody, don't leave your children unattended in the car when you're trying mm-hmm. to pay for gas. Even if it's just a couple minutes, It's just take them with you. That's just n- something bad that happen if you just leave them unattended. But that's, that's, a, that's a slightly of a, a tangent. Just one more thing. I mean, one of the uh, dumbest things that I had ever heard was uh, in California that uh, if you went and you shoplifted and it was under $900, nothing's going to happen to you. I mean, a four-year-old would say, hey, that's really stupid. How is that possible that that actually happened? 
No, I mean, California has a lot of really laws that just encourage um, this kind of criminal theft. I mean, there's been times where people make sure that they steal under a certain limit so they they get, again, uh, a slap on the wrist as opposed to facing consequences. But what they really need to be doing is looking at repeat offenders, even if, if it's smaller crimes, if you have like 10 shoplifting crimes at some point, you know, the, like people have to say that that's enough. Like you can't be stealing uh, like so much from or at all, but you can be continually stealing and getting away with it. So what do you suggest, Gabriel? I think most Americans who have common sense, and God, I hope they do, are sick and tired of this, hearing criminals on the street after they commit sometimes very serious crimes. We know that the district attorneys, I I don't know where their head is at, but what can the average person do to wake people up? Well, you know, it's about really contacting local council members, because one of the problems that ends up happening um, is that when we're talking about crime, we're always looking to Congress, we're always looking to state legislature, and to an extent, they can never, definitely help when it comes to so, some things. But crime is really fought at the local and the uh, and the county uh, issue. So what we need to do is we demand we need to demand city council members to fully fund our police, but also district attorneys to we have to demand from them that they they uh, prosecute crime. Um, and it really, it all of these, all of this change starts at the local level. All right, good points that you're making today, Gabriel. And how can we learn more about uh, our America? And if people want to check us out, they can go on joinouramerica.org. That's joinouramerica.org, or they can follow me on Twitter at og nadales. O g n a d a l e s. All right, I'm glad you're doing what you're doing. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you. I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Gabriel Nadalis, things I'm sure that you uh, have known, but maybe don't take as serious enough that uh, some people need a kick in the you-know-where.